Happy New Year, everyone. I hope you all had a safe and happy holiday. I hope you made it out alive if you were in a lockdown or if you were distancing or if you were sick. Um, just know that I'm thinking about you and I feel for you right now. I am just talking about my January 4th to-do list because I like to think about um, just clearing my schedule for the first week of the year, clearing my head and just thinking, what do I want to accomplish this year? And one of the things that I noticed that I thought I would share with you is the fact that I actually like to plan for my for our businesses, spring and summer renewals now. Um, so actually the first thing on my to-do list is May renewals because that's we have uh, four renewal cycles. We renew our block uh uh, January, March, October, and what did I miss? July, <laughs> right? Quarterly. Uh, we renewed the block quarterly. So um, I always remember that it's time to actually reach out to any stakeholders who are involved in the May renewals just to make sure that things are happening. And when I used to be in the field, when I used to actually be a customer service rep, I would do that as well because I feel like. Um, things always just take way longer than you think it would. Um, if I used to have a May one renewal and I would reach out, let's say two months before, inevitably it would take me a few weeks to chase down the customer and then another week or two to book time and then to show up. And then inevitably you're sitting down. I mean, this is in the great before. <laughs> so when we actually used to do things face to face, but you know, we used to sit there and then they would have a lot of questions that would come up and that would take me another week or two to actually prepare. And so that reminded me, actually, there was a really smart doctor I met, uh, Dr. Bell, who runs um, a large kind of like clinic network in Ottawa. They have about 300 physicians in their clinic. And so they told me the concept of taking the patient's history before you're ready to talk to the patient. And it's also a technique that McDonald's uses. So have you ever noticed, um, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you know, if you're in line at a McDonald's and, or a Harvey's and you want to buy a hamburger, um, and then if somebody comes up to you when you're in line and takes your order, they don't actually punch your order in. What happens is they want to avoid that when you as a customer get to the front of the line and you're ready to actually order your burger, you don't do the whole uh, staring at the menu on top, not saying anything, and then holding up the queue for everybody else. So what they're trying to do is to get you to organize your thoughts and prepare your own mind so that by the time you get to the queue, you get to the till, you're instantly like, yeah, I'm going to have a hamburger with fries combo done. Um, and that saves times for everybody. It also makes the customer happier because you get your order quicker. And so Dr. Bell was telling me that they do this in their clinics as well. So half the time, you know, when you're sitting in the waiting room or virtually sitting in the waiting room and the nurse is asking you to um, fill out a form with like your health history, you're filling it all out. And what the, he, he admitted to me, I thought this was such an interesting little tip. He said, we don't actually give that to the doctor. We just do that so that the patient can organize their thoughts. So that again, when you're in the, the, the doctor's office and the doctor says, okay, so what is it I can help you with? You know, all of that mental preparation it takes to like organize your thoughts and think, okay, wait, what am I here? And what is my history? And oh yeah, no, I did have an aunt that had cancer. And oh yeah, no, no, actually her mother also had cancer too. So all of that organization needs to happen before. And so I find even with group benefits, um, it's good to get the client to start thinking about the laundry list of questions and issues they're going to have for you at renewal before you get to the renewal table. When you get to the renewal table, that's when you're ready to bottom line things. You can say, hey, thanks so much for the preliminary call. Glad that I could organize your thoughts in advance. Um, I went ahead and I pulled those reports you asked me to. I know those reports typically take two weeks for the insurance company to prepare because maybe you're asking for a custom report. 
Um, and I can actually tell you which reports I like to ask in advance, ask for in advance. But then by then, you're actually able to deliver real concrete results instead of having to book multiple meetings. And while um, I think there's a lot of advisors who feel like booking many meetings is a good thing because there was this concept that the more FaceTime you have with your customer, the better. I actually am opposed to that idea. I think the less time it takes to get your customer what they need is better. They're just going to have a better positive interaction with you. And so I think one of the things that's really important to do now that we're in the beginning of January is start to organize your thoughts. So start to look, pull your customer's experience, look at, is it going to be a good renewal? Is it going to be a bad renewal? And guess what? If it's a bad renewal, the questions are pretty much usually the same. Why are the claims going up? Um, why are the premiums going up? What can we do to bring costs down? Um, what are some of the ways we can bring costs down without really hurting employees or cutting back on big items? If we are going to cut back, what can we add back in? What is that going to cost? What is that going to cost on an annual basis to the company? What is that going to cost on a per payroll basis to the employee? So start to get these things prepared so that you're sitting in front of the customer. You don't have to do back of the mat, napkin math. You can already say, you know what? I've gone ahead and already prepared these things because these are the most frequently asked questions and here are the answers. So things like, you know, why is LTD going up? You know, get some get some answers from your insurer in advance. Uh, you know, interest rates are at historical low levels. They really cannot go any lower and that affects all of the reserving that has to be required for LTD. So that's an example. Um, some of the reports that I like to pull are things like obviously premiums claims by health and by dental. Um, it's good to break it down by both product and relationship. So you can see, is it mostly dependence driving, you know, a certain category? Um, that's helped me understand insights such as I find it's interesting that the under 18 dependent age group are one of the fastest growing categories um, consuming massage. And I thought that was really interesting because it didn't used to be that way. Um, definitely the top drug listing, um, top drug listing by dollar amount, uh, not necessarily by um, number of scripts, but by dollars, because that will be more meaningful. If you can get a disease state listing, that's uh, great. I know we work with Green Shield Canada and they have a disease state, which is really, really interesting because the first thing you do when you look at a drug listing is you sometimes are like, okay, I'm going to Google these drugs because I have no idea what these are. Like, what are these names? I've never heard of them. What do they do? So you want to actually get some really actionable insights to say, well, hey, it looks like you've got, um, you know, looking at year over year, the last three years in a row, the mental health category is increasing from a drug uh, consumption perspective. And so that's interesting. Do you want to, you know, put some thought behind what your mental health support strategy is going to be? That sort of thing. Um, for dental, definitely, you know, breakdown by the category. Um, for paramedical, by the category as well. The paramedical is where you are interested to look at the number of claims, so the usage. So things like if I'm seeing that there's 350 naturopathic visits, but there's only 20 people in the business, that just it's like a little red flag. You know, I'm just scanning those things for common sense, like what is reasonable, like how much compression hose could a company of a hundred employees typically use? Um, you know, are they a white collar environment? Are they a blue collar environment? Are people on their feet all day? And so that really can help drive insights towards if premiums are going up, then why? Um, this is such a unique year because of the pandemic. Loss ratios are really low. I just ran my block for 2020 we're at like, you know, 65%. Now that said, it's January 4th. And I know that we don't actually cut off, um, 
the reports until the 15th of the month, typically because we're still getting claims now for items that incurred and were eligible prior to December 31st at midnight. So it's still a little bit low, but that said, you know, typically we end the year in a 75, 77% loss ratio position. Um, so we have some catch up to do. And I, to be honest, I don't think the insurers are going to look kindly upon that. I've already seen in 2020 that um, many insurers actually just kind of blew past the pandemic loss period and said, well, we're just going to pretend that this didn't happen. And, you know, while I think customers are upset about that, I think they also have a good reason for that. Number one, we are eventually going to go back to quote unquote normal. Um, and normal doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be consuming benefits in the way that we used to. So maybe less in person, but normal means the, the spending patterns of the human beings will go back to normal. And I say that because, um, benefits are really part of total compensation. If somebody was able to collect part of their payroll for a few months because of an issue, I mean, payroll is completely different because that's really, you know, life or death, that's your livelihood. But because people look at their benefits as an extension of their total household financial circumstances, and we know that household financial circumstances have largely not improved in the last you know, 12 months, um, I think people are going to be looking at their benefit plan for support, especially, especially, especially with the crisis we have with mental health. So, you know, given we have COVID, given we have COVID long haulers who still have symptoms um, and poor side effects of having the virus months and months after, we also have a mental health crisis. So if you actually look at the statistics, I don't think we've been fully hit with the full weight of the blowback of the pandemic yet. I think things are still going to hit the fan when it comes to disabilities, when it comes to mental nervous conditions. Um, and so that's what I mean about returning back to normal. Um, so therefore, I think if your May renewals are starting to look um, like they're going to be coming out and it's not necessarily a decrease to premiums, then it's important to think about, well, what are some strategies that we can put in place to keep premiums? managed and under wraps. So anyways, that was a lot. I just threw a lot at you. Um, there's a lot more we can talk about this year, but I think for now it's just kind of clearing your head and getting set up for those May and June renewals right now. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Yaffa Sakaja. I'm the CEO of Beneplan and you can reach me at yaffa at beneplan.ca. Our website is beneplan.ca or you can find us on the social networks at beneplan.ca. Okay. Talk to you soon.